Hello, uh, my name is Jan Darash and you're watching The View From Here. In May 1948, the State of Israel was established and it takes a very courageous historian to question some of its founding principles. Uh, but I'm very happy to welcome Professor Shlomo Zand from Tel Aviv University from the History Department who does exactly that. And he's written a couple of works on the subject, very controversial, uh, and they seem to be undermining the, the fundamental ideology of the State of Israel. So but we'll, we'll, we'll chat with Professor Zand in, in a moment. First of all, however, as usual, a short video essay narrated by Marek Steele-Zelinsky. On the 14th of May 1948, the State of Israel declared its independence. Almost immediately, it was attacked by its Arab neighbors. Thousands of Palestinians were driven from their homes, and the seemingly insoluble Middle East problem was born along with the new state. The marking of the independence declaration is a source of joy for Israelis and bitterness for Palestinians. Some 70 years and a few wars on, Israel and the Palestinians are still at each other's throats. As we can see on our screens, daily, both claim a land that is holy land, as well as homeland. Israel was the land not just of Jews, but for Jews. The early Zionists conceived it as a God-given homeland, not only a holy land. We have seen how nations and states are not natural units. They have to be thought up and invented and built. We reach back for as long as we are able to and claim our legitimacy from there. The Jews from the Bible, the Italians from Rome, the modern Greeks from ancient Greece, the Poles from ancient Sarmatians, perhaps. But can we really claim an unbroken ancestry? Just how far back can we go? Is a religion an exclusive ethnic group? When does an ethnic group become a nation? Start thinking about becoming a nation. Nationalism, the concept, makes the template. Present reality often shapes the past. With its origins in East and Central Europe, Zionism combined religion into a nation, into a state. Successfully, but at a cost. So, Professor Zand, um, you stated that it was Zionism uh, that formed, of the, formed the modern Jewish people. Um, before we explore that uh, subject, can you just briefly outline what is Zionism and why did it originate? Uh, as uh, we all know, Zionism started more or less in the end of the 19th century uh, as a kind of reaction to the Dreyfus affair by Herzl and after it by others. It was a kind of philosophy that uh, defined uh, the Jews as a people and as a nation that need to have a state. Then we can say that Zionism is the national uh, philosophy, theory, ideologically, of the, a certain Jews that live in Europe in the end of the 19th century. In my point of view, in some way, you can see that Zionism created a Jewish nation people to the antiquity. I mean, uh, I don't believe that uh, people or nation exist before 200 years ago. Yes. By the way, I don't believe that 200 years ago we can speak about the Polish nation. 
Then uh, my point of view after a few uh, thinking, especially British one, like Anderson, Gellner, Robsbaum, is that uh, nationalism invent, invented nation much more than nations invented national theories. Yes, yes. Then it's not only um, the case of Zionism, it's also the case of most of the of the nation today in the 20, in the 21 century that define themselves and see themselves as nation from the old time till the modernity. Yes, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the fashion or the, the movement of creating nation, building nation states, thinking about nation states in the 19th century, and Zionism was the uh, Jewish offshoot, if you like. Was, was that... Would that be accurate to say? Yes. You see, uh, when I, uh, I'm thinking about Zionism, in looking, looking for the essence of Zionism, you know, the position that the Jewish people existed for, uh, for 2000 even more is, it's a bit, a little bit strange. You see, Jews existed in history for a long time ago. But uh, for me, they were uh, religious people. And not only religious people, they, they were in the Europe especially, a kind of, uh, of, uh, of religion that was uh, in some way the opposite of Christianity that was born parallel to Judaism. Now, in the 19th century, uh, a lot of Jews uh, started to feel themselves as a, a kind of a nation. When I say, I'm speaking about a lot of Jews, they were a minority in the, between the Jews in the world. Uh, most of the Jews in Britain, in, in French, in Germany, were against any national definition of Jewishness. Why, why was that? Why was there such an opposition to, to this definition and to, to building a state? Because of the, they see themselves as French. Most of them saw themselves all the time as British. And by the way, not the French Jews, not the British one, and not the German one, uh, were thinking about going and emigrate to the Middle East. They didn't see uh, Palestine as their homeland. All religious Jews, there were a lot of Jews, a lot of the Jews, especially in East Europe, were religious. You know, uh, God gave the land of Palestine, uh, and when he, he, he will decide, he will give it back. He, he, he took it back, and he will give it back to the Jews. Yeah. The, for the Jews, Palestine, or uh, the land of Israel, was not a homeland. We have to understand it. And most of the Jews were against, especially the real Jews. For me, the real Jews is the religious people. They, after the Talmud, it was clear that, uh, you know, that uh, this land is a holy land. It's not a homeland. I return now. The, uh, the Zionism and national consciousness... And national ideological 
was not very different from other uh, concept of nationalism, but the identity was uh, ethno-religious basic. It was not civic, inclusive concept of nation. Uh, you see, the French, the British, uh, are more or less national ideologically inclusive that accept the others to become a part of the nation. Now, you know, today is 200 years of the death of Napoleon, Bonaparte. Yeah. You know, Napoleon was from Italian origin, okay? He was from Corsica, his parents were Italian, and he became a symbol of the French nation, okay? Now, if I'm thinking about uh, Zionism, somebody that is not born in a Jewish family cannot become a Jew. By the way, I ask myself, because I'm giving the interview to the uh, to a Polish uh, TV, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, in the 19th century, in the end of the 19th century, I don't think that the Polish nationalism, for example, was quite different from the Zionism. Because, you see, an uh, ethno-religious concept, exclusive ethno-religious concept of nationalism, belongs to the most of the people in the east of Europe. Yes. Uh, I cannot imagine, for example, I'm sorry that I'm speaking about it, but uh, I cannot imagine in Poland between the two world wars, yes, a prime minister from a Jewish origin, like Leon Blum in, uh, in France. It's difficult for me to imagine that uh, Leon Blum, a, a Polish-Jewish uh, uh, Leon Blum, could be a prime minister of Poland. Yes, I mean, po Polish, uh, Polish uh, nationalism went uh, in two broad directions. One was a pluralistic one, and another was uh, an ethno, as you say, ethno-nationalist, and that was the dominant one in the late 1920s, early 1930s. So you're correct? Yes. So it's a, it's a two-stranded two approach. Yes, it's not, it's not only nationalistic. I, I'm not using this word. It's a kind of ethno-religious uh, to yes. become a real Polish, you have to be a Catholic. For example, uh, the, the, the Orthodox in Poland, there were a lot of Orthodox in the 20s and the 30s, couldn't become real Polish. In the same thing with Zionism. You see, I am living today in a state of Israel that uh, defines itself as a Jewish state. But 25% of the citizens here, Israeli citizens, are not Jews. Yes. The, the state doesn't belong to all the people in Israel. It belongs only the people that are defined by the government as Jews. Do you, is the, does this mean uh, that the concept of the nation-state needs, generally speaking, to be revised um, because it is an exclusive unit? I think that I prefer definition of nation, inclusive one. I mean, uh, like Napoleon, that become a French. I think that, uh, for example, uh, here in Israel, where I'm living, uh, 
that uh, my uh, pupils from uh, Arab origin are Israelis exactly like I am. But Zionism refused to accept an inclusive definition of a nation. This is one thing. Going back to the, the birth of the Zionism, they started to build a past, a national past, like most of the nationalism, construct a past for the people in the present. Yes. Now, I think that uh, the Zionism didn't succeed to create a Jewish people, like French nationalism succeeded to create a French nation. A Polish nationalism succeeded to build a Polish nation. And I can't continue with this. The problem with Zionism that uh, they didn't succeed to create a Jewish nation because most of the Jews in the world today don't want to come here, I mean here in Israel, and to live with other Jews. Yes. Today, most of the people that we are defining them as Jews don't want to come to live in Israel. Then I cannot define them as a Jewish people. Imagine people that don't want to live with the other Jewish. Uh, they can support, they can, uh, you know, help sometimes, but they don't want to come to live here with me. Then I cannot say that there is a Jewish nation. I think that Zionism and the colonization of Palestine from the beginning of the 20th century, they uh, succeed to build two nations, the Israeli nation, in a Palestinian nation. Was this, uh, was this something that was thought out by the founding fathers of Zionism? Did they, did they envisage the fact that they would have to either evict or uh, somehow um, uh, drive out the, what, what we could call the indigenous population? Sorry? Did they, did, if they want... Did they, did, did, they, did they see that they would have to create this one nation one state, for example, just for, for the Jews, and that the indigenous population that already existed there would have to be evicted or driven out in some way or treated uh, differently? You see, in the beginning, I can speak about people like Ben-Gurion. A lot of people knows the name of Ben-Gurion, the founder of this Israeli state. At the beginning, Ben-Gurion were sure that the the Arabs living in Palestine are the real Jew that yes. uh, they were not exiled from uh, from this land. I'm speaking about the beginning of the 20 of the 20th century. A lot of Zionists believe that the Palestine, uh, not the Palestinian, the Arabs living in Palestine are the real descendant of the ancient Jewish people of the uh, of the Bible. Very quickly very quickly they understood that it's not possible for them because it was a kind of resistance against the colonization of this land. And the Arabs in this land didn't want that somebody is coming from abroad, taking, buying this land and pushing him away. So that was a, that was a misunderstanding on, on the Zionist part, was it? How they misunderstood how the local population would react. Exactly. From the beginning, they didn't understand 
we have to understand that the, at the beginning of the 20th century, the colonial population, if I can say, has not a national consciousness. They, they uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, we, we, we are not finding a real resistance against colonization. Uh, you see, the colonization in uh, America, the colonization in Australia, uh, long time ago, succeed because it wasn't a real resistance of the local population. The same thing is here uh, in Palestine. Yes. The, the population were not so strong enough to resist the colonization, the Zionist colonization. In '48, with the, the war, uh, Zionism succeed to push away a big part of this population that become refugees. The um, the justification um, for this was uh, the Bible, and you uh, state quite forcefully that it is a reading of the Bible as a historical document, not as a as a religious text, as a great religious text. That's the problem. The the kind of legitimation of this process started. By the way, much not from the Jews. You know, the, the real religious Jews were opposed to Zionism yeah. everywhere, very strongly till the Second World War. Now, in their concept, it's it was a kind of you know being against God, coming to live in the Holy Land. It was a Holy Land, not a homeland for them. Yes. Now, when Zionism started, by the way, Herzl, the founder of this idea of Zionism, uh, insists that the, the, the Jews need to have a state. But, you know, in some moment, when the British proposed Uganda in Africa, he accepted. For a moment, he accepted Uganda as an alternative to Palestine. Yes. And, but you have to understand that the, the myth that uh, give force to Zionism to make the effort to come and to colonize here, the myth was based on the Bible. And, I mean, I don't think that the Bible is a historical book. Uh, I think it's a very great, important book for the civilization, Western civilization. Yes. But I don't think that it is a historical book. And I think that it is a book with a lot of stories. Some of them can be true, some of them not. But it is, for me, a kind of religious myth that gives birth to a religion, an important religion that is Judaism. Okay? And, and Yes, and, and also you stated that the archaeological evidence uh, undermines some of the uh, biblical uh, accounts, for example, the, the exodus of the Jews. It's unbelievable, but the last 25 years, more and more Israeli archaeologues find that most of the stories of the Bible uh, cannot be true. For example, the the exod from Egypt. Today, most of the archaeologues are sure that this is a myth, because in this date... uh, uh, Jews couldn't go out from Egypt and coming here because the Egyptians were the the ruler of this land here. 
in the same time that the Bible is speaking about the exodus. Yes. We can leave it. Most of the stories are not a real historical, archaeologically basic. But something that, you know, disturbed me from the beginning when I started to work on the subject is the notion that the Jews were exiled after the revolt against Rome. They were exiled from Palestine. You know, the exile of the Jews. Now, I was looking for material. I was looking for books that are telling how the Rome, the Rome, the Rome Empire exiled the Jew. There is not even one book that is telling the exile of the Jews from Palestine. I am speaking 2000 years ago. There is not any evidence that the population here, that I'm sitting now here, were exiled or emigrate from this land, Judah or Palestine, as you want. Now, if the exile didn't exist, the question is, how come that there are so many Jews in the world? Now, I think that it's Christianity they invented the myth of the exile as a punishment to the to the Jew that didn't accept Jesus Christ. Yeah, Professor uh, Slomo Shand, we have to leave it there, I'm afraid. We've uh, got pressures of time. But thank you very much uh, for coming on to our programme. I hope we can talk again uh, and continue this fascinating subject. Uh, but my guest today, Professor Shlomo Sand from the History Department of Tel Aviv University. I'm Jan Darash, and you've been watching The View From Here. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Jan Darash, and you're watching The View From Here. Professor Shlomo Zand, the Professor of History at Tel Aviv University, was here with us the other week, and we discussed the intellectual roots of the State of Israel, Zionism. I'm delighted again to welcome Professor Zand to our programme, and we can pursue more of these themes in the next uh, few minutes. So welcome again, Professor Zand. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Great to have you again. First of all, though, uh, as usual, a short video essay narrated by my colleague Marek Stil-Zielinski. There's antiquity and neo-antiquity, the evidence and the myth. Behind the myth there may lie a religion that has myths, miracles, archetypes, events and happenings that a researcher may find unnatural or even supernatural. History is an empirical art and it's part of the historian's job to get between the myth and the evidence. It doesn't mean you negate the articles of faith or myth in the text, but just that you can see the difference. Where there's no or little evidence, that's when it becomes difficult. Biblical study, for instance, can be taken on many levels. Its accounts can be discounted or minimized without negating the vitality for millions of believers. Research can also be weaponized or politicized. In the 1940s, Polish anthropologists found what they can Included to be ancient Slavonic skulls on the eastern side of the river Oder and Germanic on the other, conveniently on either side of the border established in 1945. Coincidence. 
In modern Ukraine, history is being rewritten to erase the Polish presence and accentuate the antiquity of the modern Ukrainian nation-state. Scotland has reintroduced Gaelic, the ancient language, to reinforce its ancient credentials. But it's a new language, isn't it? Could a Gaelic speaker and an ancient Scot understand each other? Could a Jew living in today's Israel understand a Jew 10,000 years ago living in the same place? Or a Paul, Ukrainian, French, English person? If history is meant to be a dialogue with the past, then it's usually one side that talks. So, um, Professor Zand, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue where we picked off and the, picked up from, where the, the the notion of the state is a is a modern one. Our our memories um, can only go so far. In, in, you maintain this is about a, a two hundred year uh, um, concept. Yes, I think it's a new construct. A political construct. I am speaking about a nation a state, uh, not about kingdoms. I think that most kingdoms were not uh, nations. You see? And today we are living in a world that most of the people uh, ask, needed, and fight for being a nation in a nation state. Then, if you want to, uh, I think also the Jews. From, especially from East Europe, uh, they wanted also in some moment, a part of them, wanted to live in a equal rights with others. And it was uh, difficult, especially in East Europe, to be considered for a Jew as a part of the Russian nation or the Polish nation or other nations. And this is the background of the the, the beginning of Zionism that were constructed, in, uh, if you want, in the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, was constructed, and his uh, work was uh, uh, to find a place uh, to build uh, a Jewish nation, with the belief that most of the Jews will run to this uh, state to be protected and uh, to exp- express a nation culture. But, um, but the the fact of the matter was that most of the Jews in the world stayed outside of Israel. Or, or, or Palestine. Palestine, yes. Yeah, you see, when in the end of the 19th century, with the Jews in the, in the Tsarist kingdom, you see, and they started to suffer more and more from Judophobia, anti-Semitism, pogroms, they started to flat to the West, in most of them, you know, if you start from the 1890 till 1924, yes. there were more or less two millions of Eastern Jews, especially from uh, the Russian Empire, that moved to United States. A little part of them moved to South America, Latin America. A very few wanted to Palestine to try to build a nation, uh, a nation state. Why was if that? Was there, were there any main reasons for that? Yeah, because uh, I don't think that this idea of Zionism was so important for the Jews. Because, you see, most of the religious Jews didn't consider themselves as a modern nation. In all, also, going to the Holy Land was not simple for most of the Jews because the Holy Land was not 
a homeland, as I said the last time. And it was a place also that it was difficult to live there. Anyway, Palestine in the beginning of the, if you want, of the 20th century was a very poor place with another population living there. Living there. Till 1924, most of the Jews, I say two millions, went to America. In 1924, United States started to, to, you see, to put forward a few laws against immigration. Yes. From this moment, you, we have more immigration of Jews running away from the Tsarist Empire in becoming uh, in, 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 to Palestine to colonize the land of Israel. They called it the land of Israel. In uh, Palestine, most of the people were Palestinian uh, Arabs. I cannot even apply the word Palestinians for that time. I don't think that it was a Palestinian people at that time, but it was a population here that worked on this land that I'm sitting now. Now, Zionism started to convince Jews that this is the, the Holy Land that became a homeland. It was a homeland. And they look backward to the Bible, saying that, uh, you see, the Jewish nation was built in the time of the Bible. Yes. Consider the Bible has a historical book. I think it was a very, very important book, but not a historical book. It was a mythological book. Yes. For example, uh, today, most of the Israeli archaeologues uh, are sure that uh, the exod from Egypt didn't happen. It's a kind of myth, the exod of the Jews outside Egypt coming to the land of Israel. It was a myth like most of the things in the Bible are the myth. By the way, I think most of the things also in the New Testament are kinds of myth. Yes. Okay? Yes. What was the um, what was the archaeological evidence that convinced you that there was uh, no Exodus or there's no evidence for Exodus? I give you two examples. About the exod from Egypt, in the time that the Bible is writing about the exod of Jews from Egypt, the Egyptians were the owners of this land of Palestine. Then it's, it's, it's astonishing that the Jews came out from Egypt to come to Egypt. Yes. Because this land was a part of Egypt in the time of the Bible considered of the Exodus in the 13th century before Jesus Christ. This is one thing. They discovered that there were not any movement from Egypt to here in that time. This is one thing. Second thing, most of the archaeologues here uh, arrived to the conclusion that uh, a unified kingdom of uh, Judea in Israel never happened. In, uh, for example, King Solomon is a legend then uh, if you want, there is even a consensus today between the most important archaeologues that these stories are not true stories about history. Now, I come and put forward another thing, that in the beginning of the, if you want, of the first century, I mean, uh, 70 after Jesus Christ, yes. there were never an exile, an exile of the Jews from Palestine 
to the world. The Roman Empire never exiled the Jews from here. Uh, by the way, they didn't have, they never have the, a, a politic of uh, putting people in exile. Yes. They took slaves, but they didn't exile population. Now, the question is, if the Roman didn't exile the Jews, how come that there are so many Jews in the world? As I said, I told you before uh, a week, uh, the problem is that I think that most of the Jews of the world came out from proselytism. Yes, tell us about that. I mean, you, you mentioned four or five kingdoms that adopted yeah. around the Mediterranean and the, and the Black Sea. Uh, these were established by Jewish um, uh, priests uh, preaching Judaism. How, how did they? How did that spread? For example, uh, in the beginning, the first century, uh, we had a, a Jewish kingdom in the north of Iraq today, more or less the Kurdistan of today. They were a, a Jewish kingdom with Jewish kings. I'm speaking about the first century. Uh, after Jesus Christ. This is the first uh, Jewish kingdom. You can open open uh, uh, the Wikipedia and looking for uh, uh, for this kingdom that was the name was uh, Adabayan in English. In Hebrew, it's Hadayev. Hadayev. This is the first uh, Jewish kingdom. The second one, if you want, is the the kingdom in uh, in the south of uh, Saudi Arabia. In the place that we are uh, finding today, the Yemen state, and it was in the, if you want, in the fourth century, uh, the fifth century after Jesus Christ, it was a, a kingdom that was converted to Judaism. This is the reason that till today, Jewish Yemeni Jewish looks exactly like Muslim Jew, uh, Muslim Yemenite living there till now. Uh, the, the name of the kingdom was Hemyar. You can look on the internet and find the kingdom of Hemyar, but you cannot say he. Hemyar, it's, it's written everywhere today. That was a Jewish kingdom that uh, converted to Judaism. This is the reason that we have uh, so many nice Yemenite girls in Israel. And uh, you can continue speaking about uh, the Jewish in Ethiopia. You see, the, the uh, Falasha, we call them Falasha, the Beta Israel, uh, they are black Jews. In, they are also a, a result of, the, of this proselytism in the, in the fourth, fifth century after Jesus Christ. So, so Judaism tended to spread eastwards rather than westwards at that time? In Europe, where the Christianism won battle, when Christianism won the battle in Europe, they, for, for, they put it very, very strong, a fight against Judaism. You see, the first laws in the Roman Empire, the first laws of Constantine was not against Jews, it was against the proselytism of the Jews. Yes. Mm -hmm. This anti-Jews in Europe was against the proselytism of the Jews, not against the Jews. Now, the, the, the fight between Judaism and Christianism 
finished by a victory of Christianism in Europe, everywhere, around the Mediterranean, first of all. This victory pushed the, the proselytism, the Jewish proselytism elsewhere. They, they arrived to, for example, North Africa, what, where the Berbers were living. Yeah. We know that uh, a lot of the Berbers become Jews. And lately, it was a book that was published in uh, France about the Jewish Berber. I mean, the Jews that came from North Africa. We have to understand, not exile, not emigration from Palestine to the world. Because the Jewish were not like the Phoenician in the Greek. They didn't travel. They didn't emigrate. In the last kingdom, the most important kingdom is the Khazar kingdom. You can read about them in Pushkin, in Yevgeny Onyegin of Pushkin. You can find it in a lot of uh, evidence of this Khazar uh, kingdom from the 8th century, more or less till the 11th century. Strong kingdom that were converted to Judaism not to belong to Christianity or Byzant, and not to belong to the Muslims. In, in my, my suggestion, not only mine, is that most of the Jews in East Europe, their origin came from the Khazar areas. You see? And how is, I, how is this, how, how is this idea, how are these concepts treated by um, Israeli historians, uh, do, do you find that you're causing a lot of controversy on this subject, or how, how is Israeli historiography treating the, the idea? Sixty years ago, seventy years ago, it was a, a thesis or hypothesis, if you want, very acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any to shock to say that a big part of the Jews came from the Khazar kingdom. And uh, even the minister of education, the first minister of education of the young Israeli state, said that uh, most of the Jews from Europe, East Europe, I mean Poland, uh, Lithuania, Ukraine, etc., most of them uh, came from the East and not from the West. It's not Casimir that received the Jews from Germany that started uh, to be built uh, a Jewish community in in what will be Poland in the future. Now, today, the concept of most of the historians are very strong against all this uh, point of view of history because uh, if you say that uh, the Jewish didn't emigrate from here, were not exiled from here, they didn't come back. Yes. Then uh, it's make them feeling that uh, very, very weak with this argument that the Jewish are something, you know, a, a construct of a lot of origins, then what's the justification of making the colonization of Palestine? What is the justification? Yes. So is this you... terrified the Zionist historians saying that uh, even, and I have to stress it, Ben-Gurion, the founder of this Israeli state, believed in the beginning, before building the Israeli state, 
1918, he wrote that the Roman never exiled the Jewish in most of the uh, Arab farmers in Palestine are the descendant of the ancient Jew. Yes. Guyon wrote it with the future uh, president of Israel, I, uh, it is my all these date, details and all these sentence. It was in 1918 that they wrote it that they believed that the uh, the, the people uh, living in Palestine are the real descendant of the ancient Hebrew yes. Jews, if you. Now today to say it is like to say uh, you know to something terrible. Uh, I could say the things that I wrote saying, wrote, and be interviewed by the TV with a lot of opposition. You see, when my book came out, first of all in Hebrew, it was a scandal here. Yes. It was a sc- I didn't put in question the existence of an Israeli state today. I put in question of all this justification that we came here because we belong here and we came out from here 2,000 years ago. Yes. Um, the, um, isn't that how states and nations and civilizations are actually made? They're, they're, they're made on the ashes of the previous owners of the land, for example, or the owners of the, of the civilization. Well, After several hundred years, they, they mold into a new identity. I agree with that most of the population that become people in the future was a mix of uh, people living on the land and uh, you know, people that came, conquered them, yeah. and colonized the land. But most of these movements are more ancient, as you see. Yes. Uh, you speak about the Gauls a thousand years ago. You see the moving of the of tribes of the Gauls. Uh, the, all this in history is true, that, uh, but you know, I'm speaking about the 20th century. Now, the 20th century, it stopped this kind of colonization. You can say, for example, the United States is a product of colonization of uh, people that came from England. Liquidate the local people, the Indians, and build a nation. Okay. You can speak about Australia, that uh, British uh, white came and conquered all Australia and built there a nation. Uh, by the way, South Africa also, you have a lot of people coming and trying to build a nation in South Africa. The Israeli colonization is the last one. You see, a population came coming from Europe at the beginning in pretending that this is their land, in pushing slowly, slowly the other population from the place. Uh, you have to know that Zionists didn't came to here like Jewish came to New York, living with the neighbors. They came here to build a Jewish nation that the local Arabs didn't belong to, the, to yes. it. Well, we have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Uh, my guest today has been Professor Shlomo Sand from the History Department of Tel Aviv University. We've had a couple of excellent programs on the subjects of Zionism and Israel and the intellectual roots of the, of the country. So my great thanks to you, Professor. Thank you. 
and my name is Jan Darash and you've been watching The View From Here.